Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will. Um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, Good thing. and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and they come on. Where's Toby? Well, I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning. Welcome. You found him? Did you find him, yeah, Trash I found, Panda? I found Brody Cat. I'm yeah. here. Okay. I'm here. I'm ready for our special program. Yes, we are. This is a special program. Where's so Grody? Where's Grody? Yeah. Where's Mark? Well, I guess, it, well, hell, Saturday Suckage, we might as well take attendance for Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score, Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Grobber. It sucks, and it freebases. Mike Tomlin. Uh, sucking. Jake Arietta. This sucks. Really, it does. Brian Cashman. I also know that we suck right now. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man, like, do we suck? Chris Rock. I suck so bad, he used to pick me after the white kids. Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you got to embrace the suck. Aloy. Hey, you guys not gonna make anyway. You guys are suck. And when when I got traded the next day, oh, welcome to the suck team. Toby. Oh my God, this sucks. Mark Grody. 
Lucas Giolito, Garrett Crochet, Aaron Bummer, and Craig Kimbrell. Sucks. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're going to be on Saturday morning, by the way. I mean, you're an outstanding individual. Wow. Well, that really goes against everything we believe in, but okay. Yeah. Well, that's the wake and big. That's the wake and big club, clearly. And boy, yes. do Sox fans need the wake and big club today? Oh my God! And we were promoted by our boss, but he only promoted the ending of our show. <laughs> yes, he did. Spilka said, "Oh my God!" Right after this show. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah we'll be, it. and it is a spectacular. A spectacular broadcast event, by the way. Because after we're done here, and for Spilkus, apparently, it can't come soon enough. Vegas, baby. Vegas. Parkinson Spiegel Show will go extra innings, bonus panels, free radio from 2 to 5. They will be broadcasting from the Circa Swim, the Circa Las, Circa Las Vegas Pool. A Bears Raiders preview from downtown Las Vegas. Oh, my God. The pictures of that are spectacular. And the pictures of, I want to see that whole afternoon show in, like, Speedos. I think that would really sell the thing. Yeah, I think it's time. It's time that they are (laughs) exposed, if you will. (laughs) Yeah. So, Tony La Russa kind of got exposed, right? The White Sox kind of got exposed, right? That stuff. Everything... All the criticism that people tried to give the Heisman to, right? Uh, it was a weak division. They're playing bad in the second half. They can't be good teams. The manager is who he thought he was. and They haven't won a game in Houston all year. It's 0-4 in June and now 0-2 in October. So they come home, and that is their status, and they come home with doubts about the manager handling the bullpen, which was supposed to be the one thing, the singular thing that gave the Sox an advantage over over everybody because he was a master of the bullpen. How you fixed for that, Mark Grody? I agree, but as I said last night, I am more angry or my angst is more directed at the players that failed in the game yesterday. And Lucas Giolito does not get a pass from me because those two walks in the fifth inning after the White Sox had had a brilliant top of the fifth inning where it seemed to, it felt to me like the, the entire series was changing. There was a breakthrough in that top of the fifth inning when the White Sox took a 4-2 lead on big hits from Luis Robert and RBIs from Jose Abreu and, and yes, Grandal. And then the job of a top-of-the-rotation guy is supposed to be in the very next inning. Your job is to hold that, then keep that momentum. That's one of the tricks of the trade, and guess who didn't do it? Lucas Giolito walks two guys in that fifth inning. Now, I, yeah, we could definitely complain about Tony La Russa bringing in Garrett Crochet for sure, if you'd like. I'm not here to, to knock that down. 
But he comes in walk. He he walks the guy that who essentially he was brought in for. Tony decided that the most dangerous guy it, that that would be faced would be Jordan Alvarez, the lefty, and he walks him, walks him, and then gives up the the crucial two run single to, to Yuli Gurriel. Um, Bummer comes in, gives up a couple of hits, and Alvarez again, the lefty, lefty on lefty. RBI hit, and then Craig Kimbrell is just a disaster. So I'm down with the Tony bashing, if you would like, but my anger is is definitely more directed towards those relievers who were walking guys. Yep, yeah. There's no, the, the players get the blame, too. The manager did not put his team in a position to win, but the players, you can go back to the first inning. Aloy and uh, Yoan Moncada. Yoan Moncada, you do such a great Benetti when you do that. Yohan Moncada. Yeah, I can't. That's what I hear in my head every time. It's been a while. Bring him home. So they got bases loaded and one out. And these are the guys who weren't there when they got swept in Houston. And you thought, okay, this guy, they're going to show you something. And no, they barely got a run. And I thought that was that was going to re- come back to haunt them. I thought that was just bad news. They should have yep. had that should have been a three, four, five run inning. If you're the kind of team you say you are, and you can beat good teams and you can beat them on the road. And you're right about Giolito. He's got to come out and and he's got to have a shutdown inning after that. That inning. They, yep. Th- yeah, they got you lead, and you do that. But but here's the thing: is is not just. Crochet was the wrong choice, for a, especially for a guy who is, has always been very numbers-oriented. Because Jordan Alvarez, the left-handed hitter, and here comes Crochet. Alvarez hits left-handed pitchers better than he hits righties. Every part of his slash line is higher against lefties than righties. Guriel kills lefties. And bang, there's your game-tying two-run single. So pulling Giolito wasn't a problem. Pulling Giolito for the wrong guy was the problem. And and that's when you play the Michael Kopech card. That's what should have happened. I, 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 don't, I don't know how this eludes Tony and his illogic because... The, the statements, the moves are one thing, but the statements, whether it's his explanations or his defense of what he did, when you say, if we needed him, meaning Kopech, to win the game, we would have pitched him. Well, you needed him in the fifth inning. You had a lead. You needed to protect the lead. Saves aren't always coming in the ninth inning. And that's why you have, essentially, that's why you acquired Kimbrel is because saves aren't always in the ninth inning. And the the handedness issue with which he made that decision, uh, maybe he has access to different numbers that swayed him. I, I just, if you see the first guy up hits lefties better than righties, and you bring in a lefty, and the guy after that kills lefties, there, there, there can't be anything right about that move. And I, I'm just... Stunned by that because this is the guy they brought in. I mean, they may have to fire Ricky Renteria again, right? They may have to fire. They may have to fire Don Cooper again because these yeah. dugout decisions are so bad. This is this is what Ricky Renteria and Don Cooper got fired for, right? I mean, it's a combination of things. It wasn't just one move, but when it showed in the playoffs, 
This is when Tony or LaRusso is supposed to give the Sox an edge. He hasn't. And players, I'm not letting the players off the hook. They failed. You know, you get 18 hits, and none of them are longer than a single. None of them are worth more than a single. That's a record. That's a major league record there, kids. One thing I failed to take into account with Tony La Russa, because I, I was like, all right, no matter what bad has happened this year with Tony La Russa, and we know that there's a top five list of horrible managing moments that Tony La Russa had this year, my thought was, okay, this is Tony's time. There is no manager more experienced and equipped to be the manager in a, in a playoff game. What I should have taken into account more, I should have said, is the three batter minimum rule. And when Tony was managing and micromanaging a bullpen successfully, he could bring in Garrett Crochet to get Jordan Alvarez and then bring in the right-handed guy to face Yuli Gurriel or whomever. And let, let's face it, Tony La Russa, he's lost some of his superpowers because of that rule, and he doesn't seem particularly good at looking ahead. So I think that it's it's very simple to narrow it down to that, that this is not Tony La Russa's kind of managing. The other not good part at of it. it. No, no, no. It's he, He's not. I still don't understand it. The illogic, it, his logic eludes me. It's illogic to me because I don't see how, how you could look at basic numbers or new basic numbers and say, I want the left-hander against the guy who hits left-handers better than right-handers. And you've got Kopech there and you haven't used him. And then you would go on to admit that Kopech probably would have been available Sunday had he pitched on Friday. And you have a Kopech inning. You have a mid-game save situation and a guy throwing 100 miles an hour and you've stretched him out and you've given him, there's your bridge to, somehow there's your bridge to Kimbrel or whatever else you're going to do. But but there you bring in this weapon that you've groomed for a situation just like this. And and the other part of the quote that is just mind-boggling is LaRusso saying, whatever happens on Sunday, we've got his length there, meaning Kopech. That's another big asset for us. We didn't have to waste it. He could have pitched an inning today and still been available. He'll be even more available. This, this sounds desperately stupid to me. And I know that he's a Hall of Fame manager. I do not, I, I do not understand any of that. You know what this reminded me of? This reminded me of Lou Pinella pulling Zambrano six innings in the, after six innings of a tie game against the Diamondbacks to get him ready for a game that still hasn't been played. That happened. Yes, it did. And, and they didn't win a single okay. game in that series. Didn't win a single right. game. And, and you, can only win the, you, 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 only, you can only win the game in front of you. I mean, there's so much Matt nagginess to this whole thing about hand, making bad decisions, and the game in front of you is the thing that's the most important – and I just, I just don't get it. Yeah, he doesn't have that thing that other managers have in the postseason. I, I, the word desperation comes to mind, or do whatever the hell you have to. That's one of the joys of watching the postseason is, oh, you're going to bring in that starter to be pitched the fourth inning? Oh, that's pretty odd. Like, Tony is not doing that so far. And it also says to me, and this is not necessarily good, that the plan, the rough draft that Tony La Russa and or Rick Hahn had set out was to 
do some ha- have Kopech ready to pitch serious innings in Game Three. I'm not saying that he's going to start. In fact, I don't think he's going to be named starter for that game tomorrow, Game Three out on the South Side. But it does says to me that that's the game that they have penciled him in to potentially pitch some real innings because they clearly because they have not named a starter for that game. They're they're a little conflicted on who is going to give them the best chance to win, whether it's Carlos Rodon at 92 miles per hour or young Dylan Cease, who, while he has looked great towards the end of the season and he's a strikeout machine, he's still a guy that can be a little bit flaky at times. And do you want to put that put him in and say, yep, you're our guy here in the postseason? So my guess is, is that he had Kopech penciled in for a prominent role in Game 3. But to your point, you, you simply can't do that you can't stick with the script kind of the way Joe Madden did in game seven of the World Series he stuck with a script and he almost got burned you know what I mean it worked out but he stuck with a script instead of thinking outside of the box or doing what you have to do in that scenario or letting things play out like Kyle Hendricks maybe stay in the game a little bit longer and yeah it's it's an unwillingness to be a little bit creative from Tony La Russa for sure well manage the game that's in front of you yeah. You have no yep. idea. Two, it's, two days later, you have no idea what, what will be happening. What can And it, it looks like the forecast is clear, but suddenly, I, I, you know, maybe you get rain. Something happens. Something could happen. The game in front of you, most important to get a split in Houston, would have been huge to oh win in Houston. Yeah. You're a really good home team. If you get that game, okay, you missed it in the first. You you didn't capitalize in the first inning when you should have, but you got to lead in the fifth. Now, shut them down. The bullpen was supposed to be the strongest part of this team. The manager, greatest strength, advantage over everybody was his handling of the bullpen, and that just became a disaster. We... Um, We'll continue talking about this disaster. We'll take a break here, and we will talk with Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine. Later on, at top of the hour, we will talk with Cam Ellis of Odyssey, and the score, we'll talk Bears. You know the Bears, Bears play tomorrow? Mark? Yeah, I know. Bears, Very Bears aware. Yes. In, in Las Vegas, we're the pregame show for the Parkins and Spiegel show broadcasting poolside now are we supposed to throw to them now is our show over is that is that what mitch said like does he uh should we just throw to them what's going on yeah there i yeah. believe that there's a two hour and 45 minute tanny open <laughs> that that they've they got wish. all ready for this vegas baby vegas oh, you should just man. play that just john favreau from swingers and vegas baby vegas and vince vaughn screaming wait vegas, a minute does, does does tanny have to come in today studs does he no have to? No, no no okay they gave him the day uh, off i think uh, anderson's coming in oh and he didn't go to vegas uh, no, tanny no i like the way tanny keeps his distance that's smart <laughs> Mm-hmm. It really is. And he's the one who spotted the yeah. Aloy. He's the one who spotted the Aloy uh, suck cut to join our roll call. Oh, he's a, he's a fan yeah. of the program. He's probably listening right now, actually. Yeah, he's that's Tanny making a play. You know what? That's that's big time right there. So we're gonna do that. We'll do what Mark heard later on. Um, we have much to discuss. Um, and it probably who's who's worse at handling arms, Larusa or Nagy? We have quite the discussion to be had. Our phone number three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. You can also reach us via text by using that number three one two six forty four 
6767. The Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. We'll take a break and we will come back to the Hyundai Studios presented by your local Hyundai dealers and talk some more White Sox. And the Wake and Bake Club is much needed at this point. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Thanks for joining us on Saturday Suckage. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hit sharply and throw for a base hit. It's going to tie the game. Well, you just have to watch the inning develop. You know, he's, he pitched really well. He, he walks the leadoff guy with a two-run lead. Um... And then there was another walk. He, I mean, he, he did get uh, Bradley. I didn't hit the ball hard someplace. And then, you know, he walked uh, Bregman. To me, he had given us what he could. And, you know, I like the matchup of, of uh, one of our lefties against Alvarez. And he walks him. So, uh, but that's what I looked at. I mean, he had worked hard at that point, And he's got a two-run lead. The last, last thing he's trying to do is walk guys. So that shows you that, you know, he's... He's right near the end for me. Tony Rusa explaining why he lifted Giolito. That's okay. Why he brought in Crochet. That's not okay. 
He liked the matchup where the guy, the left-handed hitter, hits left-handers better than right-handers. And <clears throat> Michael Kopech still hasn't pitched in this series in which the Sox come home down 0-2. Welcome in. Welcome back. Saturday suckage indeed. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. We go to the scores hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book and poolside today after we're done, the end of our show that Spilkis is so calling for and so anticipating <laughs> will be the Parkins and Spiegel show for three hours poolside. Yeah. And Danny tweeted out that the bare naked ladies might join them. I just, I don't know if that's the group or simply what happens in Vegas. So yeah, way, I prefer the latter. I pre- not prefer the latter. Either way, you'll tune in. There used to be, there was a place they called rehab. There was a, a Sunday at a particular pool on a uh, hotel in Las Vegas was called Rehab, and Sunday morning was where all of the adult dancers, the exotic dancers, would just show up and work off the night. And with Bloody Marys and mimosas, I presume. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's the way it works. But that's not why you called. We called Josh Nelson, the Sox Machine, to welcome him back to the show, and we hope that all Sox fans brought their own bong. You're going to need it to get through it. Josh, so what was the most aggravating? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for getting up. Thanks for being around. And what was the worst part of yesterday's game for you beside the result? Well, first, got to bring you along for a Vegas trip because it sounds like you know the places to go. Uh, <laughs> I've known. The, the most aggravating to me was having Giolito start the fifth inning. And the reason why it was most aggravating, on what happened at the top of the fifth inning, your offense, despite not hitting for power, found a way to give you a 4-2 to two lead. And looking at the Astros lineup, it's the third time through the order. And everybody in baseball knows how dangerous this Astros lineup is when they see a pitcher for the third time. I just didn't feel like it was worth the risk. Giolito gave you what you needed. He put the team in a position to win. And I know it's just four innings, but this is postseason baseball we're talking about. You have a 4-2 to two lead. You didn't even touch any of your bullpen in game one. You, you went to Ronaldo Lopez, Garrett Crochet, and Jose Ruiz, three of the guys that you're really not counting on in this postseason. And they held the Astros to one run over the same game frame as far as time span in game one. I figured going to Kopech, Bummer, Kimbrell, and Hendricks, if they can duplicate what you did in game one, you can steal game two and go back home tied up one-to-one. But when Gilito started the fifth inning, you could just tell that he was starting to run out of gas. Even though he had about 70 pitches, he was throwing some high-leverage pitches, some high-pressure uh, pitches in, innings, in the second and third innings. And when you walk to two guys and you bring in Crochet, which Crochet is not very good in these situations with runners on base for the White Sox this season, he's still a young guy. And then to see them lose that lead, you lost all the momentum that you gained in the top of the fifth inning and coughed up the lead in the bottom of the fifth inning. And then the seventh inning just spiraled out of control. So out of all the decisions, having Giolito start the fifth inning is most aggravating because I thought he pitched well enough 
to give you the lead and to put the White Sox in a position to win. You just need to use your best relievers, and one including Michael Kopech, who can throw a couple of innings, to carry you the rest of the way so you can at least steal a game from Houston and come back home uh, in a much better position than they are right now. As for the spiraling seventh, as you you put it, Josh, Craig Kimbrell gives up the the two-run double to Carlos Correa, the homer to Kyle Tucker to to really twist it for the the White Sox. I can't believe I'm asking this, but do the Sox have to figure out a way tomorrow and hopefully going forward for the White Sox to not use Craig Kimbrell? Uh, Uh... That's a great question. My partner, Jim Margulis, wrote about this on our site, SoxMachine.com. He wanted he wants Liam Hendricks to throw two innings. And I thought that was not extreme, but that's a lot on Liam Hendricks to cover two innings. And it raises the question of, then why in the world did Rick Hahn trade for Craig Kimbrell? Like, you acquired Kimbrell to help you out in these situations. And now you bring up a good point, Mark. If the White Sox have the lead going into the eighth inning tomorrow, yeah, I think you got to ask Liam Hendricks to get a five or six out save yep. just because of the, the, the level of distrust right now uh, with Craig Kimbrell. He's just not able to pitch clean innings. And, man, I don't know what the White Sox are going to do in the offseason regarding that club option for Craig Kimbrell. It, it's a lot of money for a setup guy. Or, I, guess, I don't know, I, I've never seen a team have two closers before or spend about $30 million on two relievers in the same bullpen outside of the New York Yankees. So maybe it could work. But there's just so many questions surrounding Craig Kimball, and you bring up a good one. If they have the lead in the eighth inning, who should get the ball? And I'm thinking, yeah, give it to Liam Hendricks and see if he can get you a two-inning save. Well, he's as rested as Kopech. That's the way this. <laughs> I know. That's the way I this know. has played out. I, you know, it help me out here. It, it from the start, from the first, you know, the, in the first blush of 24 hours of the Sox acquired Kimbrel, Liam Hendricks made it clear. I don't care when I pitch. I don't yeah. care what I do. I'm happy and I want more innings. That seems like your seventh and eighth inning guy. And at the time of the trade, Craig Kimbrell by far was the best reliever in baseball. He was Mm -hmm. outstanding. He was untouchable. And I don't know why that was never... If if Hendricks comes forward with that, why wouldn't you do it? Because it answers the question. It solves the problem. You get everybody in. And then you don't have La Russa coming off like an idiot. I, I cannot believe this quote. I was stunned that he said yeah. that he's a closer at heart, that's not his situation. Well, why did the idiot manager put him in that situation? So I don't understand how you got to this point that it's still almost a, a, a clown college at this point trying to figure out the end of the game with a bullpen that's supposed to be so good. Do you Can you connect any dots for me? I, I wish I could. I, I really wish I could because I'm in the same boat that you are. And I'm glad that Tony LaRusso brings this up now, down 2-0, and the next time that you lose, your season is over. Uh, (laughs) This is just terrible timing, and I don't know if there's a conflict between the White Sox front office and the White Sox clubhouse on how to use their prize trade possession that they acquired at the deadline in Craig Kimbrell. I mean, if that's how Tony feels, okay, then in the seventh inning, go to Liam Hendricks. And Liam, 
carry us through the seventh and eighth inning because those innings are going to be important as well and give the ball to Craig Kimbrell in the ninth inning, and that's when he feels most comfortable now. I didn't necessarily agree with that during the regular season because I felt, you know, pitchers should just have the mindset whenever you're out there, get three outs. And clearly, Craig Kimbrell can't do that unless it's the ninth inning. So might as well put your players in the best position possible uh, to win the game. And I guess I have a change of heart in mind that, sure, have Craig Kimbrell close it then, and then puts him in the best spot to perform and and that whole line of thinking is why for those that are being Larusa apologists right now and saying that he didn't cost the White Sox yesterday that it was the players part of that is true the offense needs to hit for more power Lucas Giolito and Garrett Crochet need to stop walking guys Craig Kimball needs to stop being terrible Lurie Garcia needs to know how to play the outfield mm. however A a Major League Baseball manager is paid millions of dollars a season because they're supposed to put the best guys on the field at any given moment. That is their job. Tony La Russa did not do that in Game 2, and that's why the White Sox are down 2-0, and we don't know if tomorrow night the blackout game is going to be the biggest party in Chicago or it's going to be the biggest Irish wake. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be a really really nervous party is what it's gonna be i think that that's the case and and as for that game josh all right let's do it how would you line up the pitching for tomorrow who do you start what's the process all right there's a difference between what i would do and what tony the rooster is gonna do i would have yes. dylan cisco i would have dylan cisco because i think his fastball slider combination is enough to keep the Astros hitters at bay. I think we're going to see Carlos Rodon. And we may see Rodon for three to four innings because of where he's at right now with the shoulder. And then we're going to see Michael Kopech go for two to three innings. Uh, That's just how I feel right now. No matter what, Michael Kopech needs to pitch tomorrow. Uh, If Michael Kopech does not pitch in this series, Oh, man, it's just going to raise so many questions because the nepotism, the drunk driving charge, we were told as White Sox fans, get over it, deal with it, because come October, Tony's going to win his games. Uh, There's so much pressure on him as a manager to get this right for tomorrow night. So I I would go Dylan Cease, but I feel like LaRusse is going to go with Carlos Rodon, which is fine because Rodon pitched well against Houston this year. But Rodon doesn't have the same stuff that he did in June and July. Our guest is Josh Nelson of Sox Machine. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you on Saturday Soccer. So, of course, we're talking about the White Sox. The, you, you said you want the White Sox to hit for more power. How about any power? 18 yeah. hits, all singles. The uh, teams, teams that out-homer their opponents in the playoffs are 6-0 and already. So that is... Yep. That, that there you go. It's Homer or go home, and that's where the White Sox are. What is Houston doing, or what is the what are the White Sox hitters perhaps anxiously eager? What are, what are they doing to themselves? What have you seen? They are they getting themselves out? Are they trying to do too much in 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 all of their swings, or is Houston just? Just that good. The pitching's just that spot on so far, Josh. Well, I think what I've seen is that the White Sox are trying to be patient. They're trying to draw walks against 
these Houston pitchers. And they have the right approach in the first pitch because I'm seeing a lot of breaking pitches from Lance McCullers and Framber Valdez yesterday against White Sox hitters. Both McCullers and Valdez were trying to steal strike one with the breaking pitch. However, once the Astros pitchers get behind, they are not afraid of these White Sox hitters. They are attacking them in pitch two and pitch three in the sequence. And all of a sudden they feel good. They're up one Oh, in the count. And now they're down one, two, and you they're making the white Sox hitters are making adjustments where they miss out on these opportunities, especially in the second pitch of the at bat to go for the fences with a big swing. And they get into these positions where they have to cut down their swing to just put the bat on the ball and put it into play. And they're hitting a bunch of singles, which, you know, during the regular season is fine. You're raising your batting average. You're raising your on base percentage, et cetera, et cetera. But in the postseason, man, watching the Brewers-Braves game, what was the big deciding factor? Home runs, Rowdy Telez with a two-run shot. How did Boston come from behind when Tampa Bay <laughs> put up a five spot in the first inning? They hit yeah. five home runs. What sucked the life out of the Los Angeles Dodgers last night? Buster Posey hitting an oppo taco, a two-run shot, and then Brandon Crawford later in the game hitting a big home run. Home runs are everything in the postseason. So Frank Manichino, the hitting coach of the White Sox, he needs to change the game plan going to game three. They need to be search and destroy. What is the one pitch that we can punish Luis Garcia, the rookie pitcher who will be starting game three for the Astros tomorrow? What is the one pitch that we can crush? Because that is what everybody needs to be focusing on. It's not so much let's get on base and try to put three hits together in an inning and score. That's not working right now. Instead, you got to aim for the bleachers, and that's what White Sox hitters should be focusing on tomorrow. What pitch can I crush? Well, and, I, and I'll say it, this is the obvious, that uh, Luis Robert, he's my pick to click. He, he definitely <laughs> looks, looks like he, he looks like a guy who is heading towards that big bop because he is just laying into everything. He hasn't had the massive hit yet, but I really like the way he's swinging the bat right now. It is heartening to see that. Oh, yeah, he's the best player. And I've been saying it for a month now, even going into next season, I think he's going to be a popular based on the experts, especially gambling experts. Uh, Luis Robert is probably going to have a lot of money on him going for the 2022 American League MVP futures just because he's putting it all together. And even though he hasn't hit an extra base hit, you're right, Mark, it feels like something is coming. Uh, Out of all the players in this lineup, who's going to hit an early home run to set the tone? I think it's going to be Luis Robert. He's been fantastic this postseason. You can't ask any more from him. And he's giving, you know, Abreu yesterday and Grandal and even the day before Jimenez. He's on base for these guys. Uh, we're, you know, Abreu's got a couple of hits in each of these games, so that's good to see with him battling the flu. But we still haven't seen a big hit from Yasmani Grandal or Aloy Jimenez in this series. And the White Sox really need that because these guys are constantly coming up to bat and they constantly have guys on base for them. And if you're looking for a two- or three-run homer, it's going to come from Grandal or Jimenez because they just have a couple guys on base because Anderson and Robert, they're doing their job and getting on base. So fingers crossed that Grandal or Jimenez you know, finds the bleachers tomorrow. But I'm with you, Mark. A, a great pick to click to hit a homer is going to be Luis Robert. Josh, we appreciate your time. I'm glad you and the son came up today, so there's still some hope. <laughs> yeah, well, they absolutely. Did win, they, win, 
they did win two games against Houston, two games in a row against Houston this year at home. Yeah. However, it yeah. came after a loss in a game started by Dylan Cease. Yeah, well, you know what the reward is if the White Sox win Sunday, Monday? You get to face Lance McCullers again in Houston on Wednesday. So that's the reward mm. for winning these next <laughs> few games. All right. Well, so pack that bomb. All right. Thanks, Josh. We appreciate your time. <laughs> See you later. No problem. Josh. Have a great weekend, guys. Josh Nelson, Sox Machine, and we've talked we talked enough about the Sox. You know what? Let's talk about something happier. The Bears named a starting quarterback. A new yeah. starting quarterback. Going forward, although the Bears don't often go forward, they say going forward, this will be the guy. Mark, can we talk about that? Can we do that? Absolutely. Hey, that's that's what I majored in. I majored in Bears, so let's do it. All right. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to. We'll be back. My parents were actually at my house last night. I told them, and um, they wanted to go out to celebrate. And I told them, nah, I'm I'm cool um, because I'm trying to win this weekend. So, um, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, of course, there's, you know, some some reason to celebrate, but, um, you know, I'm not. just gonna be complacent with where I'm at. I'm, I'm gonna continue to grow, continue to get better, and um, just just try to work hard each and every day to you know get get wins on on Sunday. So they didn't go out without you. They went out without me. Yeah. So <laughs> where'd they go? At home. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they went last night, but yeah, they they def- they went out without me so last you night. Celebrate by were you just home alone? I was just home. Yeah, with with my dog Uno watching film last night. So uh, that's that's all I was doing. And we are all Uno. Okay. That is Justin Fields, the new starting quarterback, newly named starting quarterback, no matter what. And in a curious turn of events, suddenly, magically, he became the starter, no matter what Andy Dalton's knee said, no matter what anybody said. Steve Rosen with Mark Rody with you. Saturday Suckage, we're here. Mark, so I need you to explain this to me because the day before they made this decision, Nagy said he's not making a decision until we find out if they find out about Andy Dalton's knee. And if it was good, he was going to start in Vegas. And the next day, Justin Fields is the starting quarterback. So it would appear that Nagy got neutered it appeared that someone came down and said, I'm just chopping these off right now, and Justin Fields is going to be the starter, and you're going to go out and tell everybody. Can you connect these dots for me? How does this happen and 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 in a span of time where nothing makes sense about what the interim coach of the Bears said? I think that if you have, not just you, Steve Rosenblum, but anybody has a theory on why Justin Fields has become the starter despite Andy Dalton's full health, I think that you are partly correct. I think there has been such, obviously, overwhelming desire to see Justin Fields from everybody, from the fans to the local media to the national media, everybody. And there is... There is human nature involved, and Nagy has gotten hammered, hammered over the last 
several weeks for some of what he has said and some of the decisions that he has made regarding the quarterback. And I don't know exactly what happened organizationally, but I do think that there there was he talked a lot about these conversations that have been had, whether it's with the players, whether it's with his assistant coaches, and it probably goes to his bosses too. And I, I said this a couple of weeks ago that I think that there had to be a, an organizational decision that was made and discussed regarding Justin Fields, period, and Matt Nagy for that matter. Because I think that to go with that, there had to have been something said to Nagy regarding, hey, we got your back. We would like you to start Justin Fields, and we also have your back in terms of this is the direction we want to go. Yeah, we want to win, but it's more important that we finally develop a franchise freaking quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And right now they are putting the organization is putting their hope behind Justin Fields being that guy. Steve, Steve, Hal. Did we lose Steve studs? Yeah, I think we lost them again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. So that so that's my I'll try to get him back here. Okay, that's fine. I'll just talk. That that has been my philosophy about it because so many things have been thrown around in regards to his change of heart. And ultimately, ultimately you shouldn't care because he is starting and unless it's just absolutely disastrous on the field, he is going to start against Vegas. He is going to start the following week against the Green Bay Packers, then at Tampa Bay, then home against San Francisco, then at Pittsburgh. So he is the guy going forward. He's going to be allowed to play through the pain, and it's not always going to be pretty. But in terms of the Bears-Raiders game, here's where the Bears can win the game for sure. And it's an old story, but it is defense. Look, Derek Carr has been great this year. He has been terrific, but he has not been well protected this year. Vegas has allowed 12 sacks. They have a rookie right tackle in Alex Leatherwood. They have a center in Andre James who has struggled so far this year. And as a matter of fact, from what I understand, Leatherwood has been practicing at guard this week, so they may be going through their own reconfiguration offensively. And Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn have played really well together this year. I think they have a chance to dominate that offensive line this game and get to Derek Carr. And and I think it is. It will have to be defensively to get the win. Now, in terms of Justin Fields going up against the Raiders, Steve, I think that Look, this de- the Raiders' defense is good, but it ain't Cleveland good. It's not Detroit bad. It's probably somewhere in the middle. So there are things that Justin Fields can do. But one thing, Steve, in particular that I would like to see Justin Fields do, and welcome back to the show, I'd like to see him get to know uh, Cole Komet. You know, maybe shake his hand before the game, maybe have a quick conversation with him and say, hey, I'm here, and maybe for – Honestly, force a couple of early connections. You know what I mean? Just to establish that, even if it's not like for huge yardage, just to get him comfortable throwing to the tight end. Because right now, in terms of pass catching with Justin Fields, they've been obsolete. And it's ironic because 
Fields was so connected to his tight ends in the preseason and in practices with Jesse James and old Jesper Horstead, and then all of a sudden his only guy is Darnell Mooney. So there needs to be more friends than Darnell Mooney. Old Jesper Horstead. Old wow, Jesse. Really yep. Going rawhide on that one. Yeah. And I ran into uh, yeah. I ran into our friend Dan Durkin yesterday, and oh, nice. I brought up I brought up the idea because of it, uh, the many things going on in here is a very loud indoor stadium, and he said some of it might be mitigated because while the the stadium's loud, the domed stadium is loud. There'll be a lot of Bears fans out there, and most of them know to shut up when the Bears have the ball. But there's the issue of the offensive line with a silent count. Justin Fields, offensive line, silent count, making it all work, which may or may not, you know, which relies on, makes it more acute, the quarterback and prospective receivers seeing the same thing, right? So they gotta, they, they have to communicate just simply by looks, and, and they have to have the same read. He made it a point to say, Jermaine Effetti is going to be in a lot of trouble if he's got a single block Max Crosby. Um, Durkin had looked at, was looking at the tape and was saying that this, this is going to be a handful. It might not be your blind side, but it's going to be your front side. And that may hasten, as your point, may hasten Justin Fields finding a tight end. Hey, Cole Komet. Maybe Cole Komet's mom could introduce him. You know what? We've been trying to be the mom show. Yeah, Maybe we could do that. They could make a play date for the guys. <laughs> yeah, and I, I agree with you, that, uh, with Dan, too, the concern of Max Crosby. Although he, he has two sacks this year, does Crosby, both of those in the first game against Baltimore. I don't think he's had a sack since, and you can't rule out uh, Yannick Ngakwe either. Both of those guys are extremely effective um, in in getting to the quarterback and Denzel Perryman is gonna he's gonna tackle you so the, yeah this is a, a very aggressive active defense but like I said it's not they're not gonna come at you the way the the Cleveland Browns did you're right Crosby's had those those two sacks though came against Lamar that's true. He came against Lamar. Yep. And yep. and that's you know we we know what that profile is and that's a hell of a thing to sack him. So we'll see what happens. We will you know what we will continue the discussion of the Bears and we'll continue my participation in this here radio show, technology permitting. When we talk with Cam Ellis of Odyssey and the Score, we will talk Bears right here on Saturday Suckage. Mark Grody, Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy the Score. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.